Anyone know what verse we're in? Anyone know what book we're in? The Bible. Yes, Marty Pants. First uh, Thessalonians. Um, what chapter? How about anyone know what chapter we're in? Two. That's right. Two. Uh, actually, verses 17 through 20 today. So we're finishing chapter two. You got to say a couple of things though. First, uh, I went to a wedding last night. Uh, John and Janice, uh, Monica and Pete's daughter Janice got married to John, and uh, so it's now John and Janice Piazzini. So let's celebrate that. Really awesome. Karen May got engaged this week, which is awesome. Deanna's daughter. We got Nick and Jamie over here who are engaged and getting married. So watch out. Wow. Like, just so exciting. Wanted to let you know, uh, I am uh, teaching a class coming up here for Life Ministry Institute. Any of you guys know LMI? We got a couple of LMI students back there. Uh, Life Ministry Institute. Did your son do Life Ministry Institute? Yeah, and he's now working in Gig Har Oak Harbor as a youth pastor, right? So um, it's a great program, um, one, wonderful thingamajig. What am I even saying right now? But uh, I'm teaching a class. The longer I'm talking, I'm wondering why. Especially when you're going to hear the title of the class. Uh, intro to Preaching. Um, intro to Preaching class at LMI. It's a three-credit class, so it's kind of intense. A lot of homework. Uh, every Wednesday night for 12 weeks from 6.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. So it's a, it's a big one. Um, kind of heavy duty. But it should be fun. We're starting it in March. I think March 22nd is when it starts. 12 weeks long. Again, 6.30 to 10. If you want to learn a little bit more about preaching, I think... Kelly uh, is taking the class, and Cameron's taking the class, so that'll be fun to have you guys there. But anyone else that wants to be a part of that, I think uh, it's $110 a credit. So for a three-credit class, that would be $330. Uh, I think anything like that, um, just pray about it. Pray, ask the Lord if He's stirring your heart in that way. If He is, uh, we've got to get you registered, uh, get you in contact with Life Ministry Institute. Uh, if you want more information, just let me know or email us at info at lifespringfs.com. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's get it going. All right, 17 through 20. There we go, all right. But since we were torn away from you, who's talking, by the way? Paul, Paul right, Paul. He says, once we were torn away from you, who is he torn away from? The Thessalonians. It's a hard word to pronounce. I, I get that. But uh, yeah, the Thessalonians. He says, We're torn away from you, brothers, for a short time. In person, not in heart. We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But who hindered us? Satan. Satan. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we love you so much. We adore you. We, we fail. <laughs> we we kind of trip up. We make a mess of it. And yet your love is just there. It's an amazing, unfailing love. And I thank you, even as Wayne said, a thousand times we've failed and yet your mercy remains. We adore you and we thank you that not about us coming to you and doing something great defines you. Instead, God, you found us. You found us. You, you uh, chased after us. And your love pursued us and has overcome us. We are truly overcome by your great love for us today. In your name we pray. Amen.
Now let's leave that verse up on the screen for just a second. Uh, you'll see at the beginning there he says, we were torn away from you. Torn away. But he says just for a short time, doesn't he? Just, just a short time in person, but not in heart. Torn away in person, but not torn away in heart. You've heard the saying, out of sight, out of mind, right? Uh, if I don't see you anymore, then I'm not going to think about you anymore. Right? If I don't see something, I, I stop thinking about it. Paul really is the complete opposite of that. Uh, Paul is uh, more uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. The more that they are out of sight, he actually just loves them more and more. And, and, and I want you to just envision this too, that um, he really wants to be with them. Uh, you can see that in all four verses. He, he wants to be with them, but he's, he can't. He's been torn away. So that means it wasn't his, uh, what he wanted, right? It wasn't that he uh, willingly left. He was torn away. But what I love about it, he says, yeah, you know, I've been torn away, not with you physically, can't see you face to face, but no one can tear you away from here. Do you have any relationships like that in your life? Or yeah, maybe physically we, there's a distance between us, but nobody is taking you away from my heart. Take me away physically, but can't take you away from my heart. I love how Paul is communicating with the Thessalonians. As we walk through the first two chapters, I, I don't know about you, but I, I get just such a strong sense of love, a passion that he has for these people, right? For these new believers, these people who are recently born again in the Lord, who have received the Word of God. He finds such joy in them. Can't you just see in his, the way he talks and the words he uses? It's just a delight and a pleasure that he finds in these new Believers, You'll find this attitude in today's passage, even more in next week's passage. It's a fondness, I would even say, for these new believers in Thessalonica. In fact, next week, and as you kind of read through these four verses where he's kind of kept away from them, even though he wanted to see them, he's hindered by Satan. Uh, his love for him, uh, for them, uh, actually has him send another person to the Thessalonians. Uh, any Bible scholars in here know, who does he end up sending to the Thessalonians? Even though he can't make it, he sends anyone? Timothy? Yes, Timothy. Absolutely. Just a, a love for these people. Like, yeah, you know, Satan thinks he's doing his thing and hindering me. Well, we got a plan. Timothy, there you go. Torn away from you. Short time in person. But in no way was I torn away from you in heart. Endeavored more eagerly with great desire again and again to see you face to face. We wanted to come to you. Man, just we tried. When you see again and again, that means it was more than once. Right? Anybody will try something once. But Paul tried again and again and again. But then what happens? It says, but Satan hindered us. I don't think we ever really get too excited when you run into a scripture like this, right? Satan hindering us probably isn't going to make the top ten things of, you know, most pleasurable sermons. Um, Satan hindering us. I tried to put some white out over it and just skip it, but I couldn't. Um, it's, it was in all the other versions that I read. <laughs> Satan hindering, right? Yay. <laughs> but it's just a part of the walk. It's a part of the Christian walk. I mean, he lays it out there. He said, we wanted to see you. In fact, I tried. We tried multiple times. But Satan hindered us. Satan did that kind of thing in Paul's day. You read the Bible, you see a lot of hindering of Satan, right? And the, the disciples and, and the apostle. Uh, you, you see like, you know, there's some stuff going on. Even Jesus, right? You know, there, there's, there's some things, some opposition, some things that Satan is trying to do in the Bible. But have you noticed that also in the year 2018 that there's some hindering going on? Haven't you even noticed that he, it seems like there's even some success that Satan has found in our day at hindering people? 
Anyone notice that? So I'm reading through this, studying this passage. Man, what do I do with this, Lord? But then I started just thinking about Paul's ministry, Paul's time on this earth and, and what the Lord did through Paul. And, and I was thinking this. This is what I was thinking. How successful? I mean, really, how successful was Satan in his hindrance? Right? In his limiting and hindering Paul. Because although Satan most definitely meant it all for evil, right? There's no good in him. He, he meant it for evil. And yet God used it for good. Just track with me just for a second. If Paul wouldn't have been hindered, just follow me on this one. If Paul wouldn't have been hindered, and we, he would have been able to make it to the Thessalonians, being able to see them face to face, well, he probably wouldn't have written this letter, would have he? And if Paul didn't write this letter, then we wouldn't be reading this letter. I don't know about you, but the last two months have changed my life. Anybody else just being changed by this powerful letter of the Word of God? And by this letter that the apostle wrote, Satan, see, Satan thought he had hindered him. Ha ha, see, I, I've kept you from speaking face to face in person. But it just fires me up to know, church, that what Satan thought was a hindrance, what Satan thought was a roadblock to the advancement of the kingdom of God, that this hindrance has actually been used to create a mighty and powerful weapon we know as the first Thessalonians, the letter to the Thessalonians that has changed millions upon millions of lives. Don't you just kind of get a little bit of excitement, kind of an enjoyment in the fact that what Satan thought was going to use as a brick wall of hindrance and saying, no, the word of God shall not spread. Instead, the word of God has spread farther and deeper and wider in more powerful ways than Satan could have ever imagined because God uses even what Satan meant for evil and he turns it for our good. Hallelujah. I was fired. You know, you ever do that when you're reading it and you're just like, Hallelujah. Woo! That was me in my office this week. Because you know, it's just like, he th you know, oh, here, we're going to do this. We're going to stop you here. We're going to stop you here. And God goes, oh, yeah, you think you're doing something, but watch what I can do. Glory. Praise the Lord. Sorry, piano. I was just thinking about my own life. You could relate to this. Just think of the areas where it kind of feels like Satan is hindering. Again, part of life. You kind of want to put the white out to it. But it's there. By the way, the Greek word there is the agopto. I love this word. It's a military term. I'll read you the definition. It means to cut in on, to throw obstacles in the way of. To cut up the road so that normal movement was impossible. So again, you can think of it in the military side of things. If, if the, the, the opponent is, they're coming on a road, you don't want them to be able to travel on that road. So you cut it up, right? You, you break it up so that their travel is hindered, right? Is blocked. I don't know about you. But I can just think about the time, right? You're just kind of whistling. You're just kind of walking. And man, God's good. And life is good. And Hello. You ever been, right? More than once, right? You just walk in. And sometimes it feels like a trip. Sometimes it feels like a stumble. Sometimes it feels like a huge fall. Sometimes it just feels, you know, uh, like maybe more, something more subtle, just like a little pebble that you hit. Other times it's a chasm, but it's a hindrance, a hindrance. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about all of this. You guys Probably a lot of you guys know who I'm talking about. Great theologian. He says this. Since the first hour in which goodness came into conflict with evil, it has never ceased to be true in spiritual experience that Satan hinders us. 
from all points of the compass, all along the line of battle, in the vanguard, so in the front, or in the rear, at the dawn of day, in the midnight hour, Satan hinders us. He says, if we toil in the field, he seeks to break the plowshare. If we build the wall, he labors to cast down the stones. If we would serve God in suffering or in conflict, everywhere Satan hinders us. He hinders us when we first come to Jesus. Fierce conflicts we had with Satan when we first looked to the cross and lived. Now that we're saved, he endeavors to hinder the completeness of our personal character. I love what he writes. He says, you may be congratulating yourself. I have hitherto walked consistently. No man can challenge my integrity. He says, beware of boasting, for your virtue will be tried. Satan will direct his engines against that very virtue for which you are most famous. And if you have hitherto a firm believer, your faith will ere long be attacked. If you have been meek as Moses, expect to be tempted to speak unadvisedly with your lips. The birds are going to peck at your ripest fruit, he writes. The wild boar will dash his tusks at your choicest vines. Satan Satan is sure to hinder us when we are earnest in prayer. He checks our importunity and he weakens our faith in order that, if possible, we may miss the blessing. Nor is Satan less vigilant in obstructing Christian effort. This is so true, church. He says, there was never a revival of religion without a revival of his opposition. As soon as Ezra and Nehemiah begin to labor and build that wall, Sambalit and Tobiah are stirred up to hinder them. And so then he writes, what then? question mark. So what do we do, right? What then? If, if this is true, what then? And this is what he writes. He says, we are not alarmed because Satan hindereth us, for it is a proof that we are on the Lord's side and are doing the Lord's work. And in his strength, we shall win the victory and triumph over our adversary. Amen. I love that. The hindrance of Satan is proof that we are on the Lord's side and doing the Lord's work. I remember early on when I was really doing this, you know, just the awakening that happens when you, you start following Jesus. And I was really standing up for God, and, and it kind of felt like I was getting beat up. You ever been there when you take a stand for God, and all of a sudden it feels like you're kind of getting beat up? And, and I'm in college at the time, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Right? I thought living for Jesus was going to be like this amazing rainbows, ponies, and butterflies experience all the time. And you just imagine what that looks like. And, but then here I am. This is a little bit more intense than rainbows, ponies, and butterflies. And so I remember going to one of my spiritual leaders at the University of Wyoming, and I complained. You know, if you've ever been there before, where you just kind of complain for 15, 20 minutes, and, and he endured the complaining and listened, and after I was done complaining, I'll never forget what he said. He said, congratulations. You must be doing something right. <laughs> he said, Satan isn't going to waste his time on someone who isn't doing anything for the kingdom. He says, you're on his radar. Take, take it as a compliment. You're on his radar. Take it as a compliment. You know, as a 22, 23-year-old guy, that really helped me out. Also, I'm very competitive, so I'm like, all right. I'm in the game, right? Bring it on. Here we go. Kind of a foolish way to talk, but that's where I was at. But I want to encourage you. I, I just want to encourage you in this. You don't need to dwell on Satan. You don't need to get all weird about Satan. You don't even need to spend too much time thinking or speaking about Satan. But I want you to know, and you need to know, he's real. He's your adversary. He hates you. He is not your friend. But remember in Jesus, in Jesus, you have Jesus' power, you have Jesus' authority, you have Jesus' strength, and in the name of Jesus, you have victory and triumph 
over the evil one. Amen? Amen. All right. And so like what happened in Paul's life, what has happened in the lives of so many believers, even if the enemy hinders you, this is so important, I think you can trust that what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for good. Have you been there before? Right? I think if we've walked long enough, we've been there. Now, that verse actually comes from a story in the Bible in Genesis chapter 50, uh, the story of Joseph. Remember what evil thing happened to Joseph? What did his brothers do to Joseph? They stuck him in a pit, and then they sell him in slavery. And then, if you keep on reading, the tables kind of get turned, don't they? Where Joseph maybe is in a better position, his brothers are not in such a good position. And look what he says to his brothers. This is so powerful to me. He says, you intended to harm me, but God, he intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. And what is now being done, he says, it's the saving of many lives. By the way, if you're memorizing scripture, that's one to memorize. Right? Just think about in your own life. Yeah, like what happened? Not good. What happened? To me or to you, like, no excuses, pure evil, nothing good about it, right? Just the worst, the worst. But you know what? Wherever you are, whatever you thought you were doing to me, my God is bigger and better, and he's turning it for his good. And he's going to even use it for the salvation of many. By spring, I just encourage you, you can take that one to the bank. <laughs> you can trust in that truth. I love that we sang, your love never fails at the beginning, and you make all things work together for good. I just love that, that that song is the song we sang today. Because Satan, again, he has bad intentions for your life. He hates you, <laughs> but God's on your side. And with God on your side, it isn't even a fair fight. <laughs> Right? You're in the family of the almighty, all-powerful creator of the heavens and the earth. And by his power, he can use even the greatest hindrances of Satan for your good. It's the truth of God's word. All right, I want to move on. Final verses of this passage. Verse 19, verse 20. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Again, you see just Paul's uh, eagerness to see them again and again. He, he loves them. He wants to see them face to face. Again, why? Because here he says, you're my glory. You're my joy. Now in 2018, it's kind of weird to say it that way. Like, Colby, you're my glory. Like, what do you even mean? But just, do you see the love, the fondness? Like, man, you, you know, it's just you. Like, it's you walking with Jesus. You being there when Jesus comes back. Like, that is, like, it's worth it. Right? right? It's just the pleasure, the joy, the, just the glory of you being with Jesus. Jesus. Do you see the fondness, again, that Paul has for these people? Now, it's interesting that that's written right after he talks about Satan hindering him, right? He says, Satan hindered me again, again, again. Tried to see you face to face. Satan wouldn't allow it. Now, he could have gotten all Eeyore on him, right? You, you know what I mean by Eeyore on him? If you like Saturday Night Live, he could have gotten all Debbie Downer on him, if you know what I'm talking about there. Well... There's some opposition. Didn't get to see you. I guess I'll just give up. Wah, wah, wah. 
No, he doesn't do that at all. He doesn't look at, by the way, he went through some stuff, right? Paul, you read Paul? Affliction, trial, suffering, hindrances, opposition, all kinds of stuff. Bruises, wounds, cuts, scrapes, all kinds of stuff has happened to Paul. And he could have just given up, but no, he doesn't give up. In fact, in the face of opposition, and this is so important, in the face of opposition, Paul, with the hope and the faith that he has in Jesus Christ, he actually looks ahead. If you're writing uh, and taking notes, write that down. In the face of all this, Paul looks ahead. See, he doesn't just stay stuck in the past of what didn't happen. He looks forward to what's going to happen. That was firing me up this week, church. I mean, it just encouraged my spirit. Because you ever get kind of like fixated and trapped in what didn't happen? You ever been there as a human being? Right? You just get, it's like a vacuum. It just sucks you into all the things that didn't happen. I didn't see them. This didn't happen. And yet, he doesn't stay fixated on what didn't happen. He looks forward to what's going to happen. For any of us, I mean, I, th I think if you keep your focus, your attention on what doesn't happen, you do give up. Right? It is. It's just so easy to give up. Paul, by the way, had some opportunities to give up. Earlier in the letter, he talks about um, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 2, that he had already suffered. He had already been treated shamefully in, in Philippi. And then we know that this mob is stirred up against them in Thessalonica. I think in my flesh, if I'm just a little honest this morning, in my flesh at that point, I might be thinking, you know what? I'm done. Right? If every place that I go to just wants to kill me, or every town that I go into just wants to have, like, the worst things ever happen to me, I might just be calling it quits. Right? If Satan just decides to hinder me in every step that I take, then just maybe it might not be worth it. Any other rational people around here? Right? It just might not be worth it. But come on, that's my flesh talking, isn't it? Because the Holy Spirit inside of me says something completely different. He says, Danny, you're not done because I'm not done. You're not done because I love people. And I want to rescue people and I want to save people. I don't want anyone to be perished. I don't want anyone to be lost. And the love of Christ just begins to fill us up and compels us and moves us to go out and to begin to move forward, right? Move forward into what God is doing in the forward thinking of faith, a work of faith, a labor of love, a steadfastness of hope. He strengthens us. He fills us. He fills us with a truth. He fills us with a love. He fills us with joy. That truth, by the way, any lie of the enemy, and sometimes we're it's like, well, maybe that's true and maybe I should give up. But the truth comes in, that lie has to flee. Have you noticed that? We're like, man, there's not even room for that lie anymore. I know the truth of God's word. In fact, that lie is destroyed by the truth of God's word that declares, no, you are on the winning side. You will not lose in the mighty name of Jesus. You're God, your Savior, your rescue. You're Jesus Christ, the beautiful Savior. He's alive. He's moving. His love is on the move and he's coming again. And when he comes again, you're going to have people around you that as you labored and loved, they're going to be standing with you and you're going to go, you're my joy. You're my glory. And he's here. And you're going to say, it's worth it. The lie of the enemy that says, give up. It's not worth it. You know what that is in my life? Dan, just stay in bed. Many of you that know me, you know that world of my life and the pain and everything. You just stay in bed. And God said, I'm not done with you. Get out of that bed. I have things for you to do. And to be nice to your wife, make the bed after you're out. But Paul, he did not dwell on what didn't happen. And 
I, find, I catch myself going into that world. By the way, anything I tell you, it's because I told myself first. You know, early on, one of the first things I told the church was, do hard things, no pity parties, and no excuses. You know why I preach that all the time? Because I didn't want to do hard things. I had a lot of pity parties, and I had a whole lot of excuses. And the Lord shattered each one of those. He's like, I got things for you to do. I don't care if it's hard. I'll give you the strength to do it. <laughs> right? He goes, get out of your little pity corner and rise up and be the man of God I've called you to be. And if you're going to live by excuses, you're never going to do anything for the kingdom of God because there's enough excuses that you can just ride that pony all the way to death. But you're going to get rid of those excuses and do the things I've called you to do. That's a forward-thinking mentality. That's what Paul had. He knew, yeah, this, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I enjoy the wounds. I'm not sure I enjoy the suffering, right, Paul? I'm not sure that I enjoy the fact that every town that I go to wants to kill me. But it's worth it. Because Jesus Christ is coming back. Church, do you guys believe that? Right? And sometimes we don't even preach about that. We don't talk about it. But Jesus is coming back. And Paul had that like in the forefront of his mind, like those cool glasses that some of you wear with the Samsung phones. Like that was where Paul was, right? He just saw Jesus, the, the scene of Jesus coming back, just playing again and again in his eyes. And he goes, yeah, you might be trying to kill me, but I got Jesus. And I know what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is coming back. This is how he writes it in 1 Corinthians. He says that when Jesus comes back, the perishable is going to put on the imperishable. You heard that before? Mortal? puts on what? Immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your power, death? Where's that victory? Where, where's that gloat? Where's that sting? It's gone in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Paul knew that day was coming. Paul knew a day was coming when Jesus would return. And because of Paul's willingness to stay steadfast in the faith, he knew that he would see his friends, these beautiful new believers, these baby Christians, right? These Thessalonian believers who have been now born again. He knew when Jesus Christ came back that they would be standing with him in front of Christ in glory. And yeah, I mean, he was in the midst of it. He was in the midst of trial, pain, tribulation, Heartache. Some of you right now are in the midst of it. You don't need to read about hindrance, right? You don't need to read and, and study about the hindrances of Satan. You're like, I'm living the hindrances of Satan. And yet he did not dwell on the hindrances of Satan, but he stayed laser-focused, fixated on the promises of God. Right? I mean, just think about our humanness, where we stay paralyzed paralyzed, gripped in fear about the things that didn't happen. And yet Paul says, no, I'm moving forward into the things that are going to happen. And it's a faith, right? He had a faith. Hebrews, my mom used to always tell me this Hebrews 11.1 1 verse. She'd, she'd talk to me this over and over and over again. She'd like, Danny, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. That's what Paul had, right? He, he knew. He, he, even though it hadn't happened yet, he knew he had this confidence. He had this faith that Jesus was coming back. He just knew it. And it compelled everything he said and everything he did. Just think about some of the scars and the bruises that you've walked through. Think of some of the hurts, the pains. Think about Paul. Think about the Early believers who all lost their lives, so many of them, for the faith. Paul, just intense opposition, intense persecution. And yet look what he writes. 
Look what he writes. He says, do you know what our hope and our joy, what our crown of boasting is when Jesus comes back? Do you know what it is? He says, it's you. He says, it's you. You, Thessalonian believers, you. It's you. You're my glory. You're my joy. To know that when Jesus comes back, that I'll be standing with you, it's as if he says, it's all going to be worth it. Who in your life, is it just worth it? Is it just worth it? Right? I just, to know and he comes back and he is coming back. He's the soon and coming king. But just worth it that when he comes back that you'd be standing with them in the presence of Jesus. Who is it? Who is it that's worth it? I want you to think about it. I want even to just allow the Holy Spirit to begin to remind you of, of, of people in your life. Names. Specific names. Because I want to encourage you just for a moment here. I want to encourage you. There are people that you have been willing. Let's be honest. There have been people that you've been willing to face some extremely hard things for them, haven't you? There's been people that you've been willing to get beat up for them. You've been willing to face opposition for them. Because you loved them. With a godly love, you loved them. And there's no greater joy than to know that they now have a relationship with Jesus. you have anyone in that, like that in your life where you kind of endured in love and steadfastness of love and a labor of love and, and you just kept on going and then you just saw God just do something in their life and you know like, man, it's worth it. I, I asked his permission to share this story, but many of you know Jason Dre. Jason Dre is just one of those stories. I, I met him when I was in seventh grade. We both liked basketball, and that was good enough to start a friendship when you're a seventh grade guy. And uh, a lot of stuff happened. But I just remember, you know, he didn't know anything about Jesus, so I started taking him to concerts, right? Uh, Jars of Clay, DC Talk, you know, those, those types of things. We, I remember in 1996, the Sonics are in the, you know, the world championship, and they're playing the Bulls, you know, Darn Michael Jordan, but oh well, he was really good. But so uh, at halftime uh, at Wabash Presbyterian Church, you know, I invite him, hey, just watch the basketball game. You ever done that in high school where you're trying to get your friends, you know, to just hang out with Jesus? And you're like, just come over, we're just watching the game. And then we'd play hoops uh, during halftime. And then even after that, I was at church down in Auburn, a church called Evergreen Foursquare. And I was like, hey, I'm doing this Bible study. You want to come? And he'd come. And I was like, hey, we're doing this co-ed softball team. You want to play? And he would play. And he'd do all these things. But then all of a sudden, I'm going the University of Wyoming when I'm uh, 21 or 20 at the time, and I say, hey, Jason, you want to go to the University of Wyoming? And crazy enough, he goes, yeah, sure, I'll go. And so Jason's all of a sudden going to the University of Wyoming with me, and then two, three weeks into our time at the University of Wyoming, we're in our dorm room, and he says, Dan, I want to become a Christian. And I laid my hands on him. I prayed and he received the Lord and the Lord came into his life. But if you know that story, then nine years later, it was nine years until Jason came back into a church. But it was when I was here back in 2012. And I was like, hey, I'm preaching. I'm really nervous. Or 2011. I'm preaching. I'm really nervous. I haven't preached before. Would you come and support me? He's like, yeah, I got you, buddy. You know, if you know Jason, that's what he says, right? I got you, buddy. I'm there. He came and he never left. When Jesus returns... I mean, we're like best buds. We're going to be just crying our eyes out. We're going to be hugging each other. We're going to be worshiping Jesus. We're going to be just like, ah, just, yeah, praise you, Lord. And I'm going to be with Jason Dre. It's worth it. Anyone blessed by Jason Dre? He's one of the most amazing people I know. It's worth it. 
I want you to think about that. Who is that in your life? And the reality wasn't like, for, with me, you know, it was a thousand people, 10,000 people that had influence in Jason's life. And you, you know, whoever you're thinking of, you know, different people said different things at different times. But you had a part to play in that. And I think the Lord wants to remind you of that, that you had a part to play. And so this is what we've done. We set up a couple of tables in the back, and we're going to sing a song a little bit. And I think the Lord wants to remind you that you've played a part, and to continue to play your part, that you would write that person's name on a rock. Just write that person's name on a rock, just as a remembrance stone of, yeah, God, you loved that person. You adore that person, and you actually wanted to love them through me. Just write that down as a remembrance. It's just to encourage you. There's something else I want you to do. This one's a little bit more dangerous, a little scarier because it kind of brings up some fears that we have, some anxieties that we have, some hurts, some wounding. It's that person that doesn't yet know the Lord. Or maybe they know the Lord, but they're just not walking with the Lord. And just as Paul was bold and he thought it was worth sharing the good news of Jesus with the Thessalonians, even though he knew it might be a little difficult, even though he knew it might be a little awkward, it might cost him something, might get a little uncomfortable, might even include some wounds. He was stirred up by the Holy Spirit to enter Thessalonica. God sent him to Thessalonica. Just maybe the Holy Spirit is stirring you up. Just maybe the Holy Spirit is stirring you up to be bold to send that text, to send that email. Maybe it's to invite that person out to coffee. Even as I say that, you, that person, you, you actually know for like four, five, six months the Lord has been asking you to invite that person out for coffee. And maybe this morning is another gentle reminder from the Lord not to condemn you, but to challenge you that He really loves that person. And He might just want to love them through you. The Spirit would speak to us. And yeah, there's hindrances I guarantee it, there will be hindrances. There will probably be more than one hindrance. But that it would all be worth it. It would be worth it because of the love you have for that person, but more importantly, the love that God has for that person. And the love of Christ would compel all of us to begin to just reach out to them, to share Jesus with them. And so this one's a little more dangerous, isn't it? It's a little more uh, vulnerable that you would go back and you'd grab a rock and you'd write the name of someone who is yet to give their life to the Lord. But that you would just allow God in this time as we sing this song, as we worship to the Lord, just allow Him to let you know how much He loves that person. And that He might just want to love them through you. I was thinking about it this week. Some of the hardest people to love are those who are closest to us. Have you noticed that? The stranger, sometimes we can extend that love to a stranger. But to extend that love to a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or a coworker, right? You know that coworker I'm talking about. Or to a neighbor. Some of the hardest areas. And also just the people that are closest to us are the ones that we write off. They're the ones that we are quickest to write off. And yet, how much does God love those who are in your inner circle, those that are in your sphere of influence? He loves them so much. And I pray as we sing this song, when we sing a song like this, so many times uh, we receive it for ourselves, which is fine and it's wonderful. But even as we sing this song, I want you to think and even be moved by the Holy Spirit of how much God loves that person. 
that he's actually singing this song over that person. So would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray, and then we'll sing this together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the move of your spirit in this place, that you're stirring us up even now to have this love, this love that you gave to Paul, that you want to give us the same love, a love for a people, also a love for a person, that there's people in our lives, there's a person in our lives, that God, you, you would just move us and fill us and, and captivate us so much by your love that we couldn't help but share your love with them once again. Paul had to go to Thessalonica. He had to go to Thessalonica because your love so compelled him to preach the good news of Jesus there. As he obeyed you, Lord, you sent him into that town. And Lord, there's places you want to send us. There's places you want to send us. And yet we're so afraid because we know that there's people that maybe don't like us. Maybe there's people that are jealous of us. There's people who want to form a mob against us. We know that there's an enemy and that the enemy wants to hinder us. And so, Lord, we, we begin to make our decisions all based on fear and, and based on what hasn't happened. And yet, Jesus, I just know with a confidence you are filling us even now with a faith that is going to say, I'm not dwelling on what didn't happen, but I'm moving forward on what's going to happen in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that faith that you're giving us even now. A faith that says Jesus Christ is coming back again. And when Jesus comes back again, I want to be standing with my joy and my glory. I want to be standing with my brothers and my sisters who are going to come to the faith through people like me and people like you. So Lord Jesus, just even now stir it up as if this was a pot. Break up the ground, break up the dry land, and fill this place with your living water. Stir us up for your kingdom, God, that a great revival would happen, and we wouldn't be waiting for revival to happen out there somewhere, but revival would happen in our house, in our neighborhood, in our classes, in our place of work, Lord, that revival would happen in our sphere of influence, around our circle, as you use us to share your incredible, reckless love for people around us. That, Lord, just forgive us where we've written people off. Forgive us where we've tried to do out of sight, out of mind. Forgive us, Lord, for anyone that we have abandoned, for anyone that we have just kind of thrown off to say there's no hope for them. Lord, stir us up once again by your Spirit that you love them. You created them. You stepped back when you made them and said it is good that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you're not done with them. You haven't given up on them. You're the hound of heaven who pursues with a reckless love, who pursues with a love that never gives up. And God, you might just want to reveal your love to them through us. And LifeSpring Church, Lord, we say, all right, all right. If that's what you want, God, then here am I. Send me. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you stand with us, church? Let's sing this together. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Yes. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. 
so, so kind to me. Amen. So this is what we've done. We have two tables and a bowl of rocks and some permanent markers. And as we sing this song, as the Lord stirs people up and brings people to mind, maybe take the risk. Maybe jump into the dangerous ocean of God's grace and write down their name. This is a rock that you would keep maybe in your pocket or in your back pot or in the drawer of your office desk that you'd say, God, you haven't given up on this person. Your reckless love is here and it's willing to shine and pour into those in my inner circle. Amen. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life in me you have been so so kind to me Serving, still you gave yourself away. No, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God.
We trust in your love today. More than anything, we just trust that you don't give up on us. And you haven't given up on our friends, on our family, on our co-workers, on our classmates. You haven't given up on those people that we engage with on social media, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You, you haven't given up on any of them. You love them. And so, God, I ask that you would continue to send people into their lives. Send people that I don't even know into their lives. And then wherever you might want to use us, we say, send us as well. However you might want to use us, use us as well. And, Lord, there's a lot of fear. We, we struggle with fear. It doesn't feel good to face opposition. It doesn't feel good to know that there's hindrances. And yet... We're just kind of saying, but we believe it's worth it. <laughs> it's just worth it to know that, Jesus, you're coming back. It's just a promise. It's happening. It's, it's just the truth. It's as true as the air I breathe, the truth of you coming back. And when you come back, there are people that, you, that there's just people that we just know that you are calling even now, and you're going to call them through us. And we get the, the joy, the privilege, the honor of standing with them when you come back. So we thank you, Jesus. I, I was even reminded of a couple people in this second service where, Lord, you just brought that person's, it's this rock right here. You brought him back to mine, and, and I just was speechless, like, oh my word. And this rock of my friend who 
I took out to Panda Express, and I told him about Jesus, and he said, I don't believe in Jesus. He goes, you do you, and I'll do me, and I said, that's awesome, and then two weeks later, his father dies, and he calls me, and he says, Dan, my dad just died, and Lord, you know that I haven't done anything with that relationship since then, and so God, you're just, you're just bringing it back, how much you love him, that you adore him, and Lord, I, I know that even since I've last talked to him, I'm sure there's other people you've brought into his life to speak to him and reveal things to him. But you're laying on my heart right now at 1230 that there are also things that you're calling me to do. Ways to reveal your love uh, through uh, my words and my actions and, and my compassion and my grace, Lord, that would come from your love. And I just pray that over each one of us, that God, just even now, just a bigger move, a greater move, Lord. Even if we didn't write it on the rock, Lord, just that our hearts would be broken for what breaks yours. Our hearts would be moved for what moves your heart. God, that we would not be complacent and comfortable and just think about how I can be happy and safe and perfectly secure in this life and live along a ripe old age of whatever that age is, that instead, Lord, we would just jump into this love, this reckless love, this ocean of grace, and we just say, take us, God. Take us where you want to take us to be used, how you want to use us so that your kingdom would advance. And whatever hindrance thought it was a wall that would keep your kingdom from advancing, that that wall would be gone in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven move Lord thank you Jesus thank you God hallelujah praise the Lord praise the Lord amen